Hello everyone, welcome back to our Manchester United podcast, Never Ignored. Uh, today we're going to be taking a uh, taking a look at the games that we played last week in the Premier League and uh, reflecting on the result versus Chelsea in the uh, FA Cup. Uh, the term result is used very loosely. I'm joined by Imti. Imti, how's it going? Yeah, uh, not too bad. First defeat in six months, so could be better, but you know, it could be worse as well. Let, let's let's take a let's give a very brief uh, view of the the Premier League games that we played last week because uh, of the time of recording. Uh, it feels like a distant memory, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but we nicked a draw against Southampton. Well, we nicked a draw. Southampton no, nicked a draw. Nicked, against they nicked the draw. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. My my head's all over the place as a Manchester yeah. United fan at the moment. Um. Yeah. They nicked a draw against us. Ninetieth minute. Slightly disappointing that a, a player so small scores a, from not not a header, but you know from resulting from a corner. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a bit disappointing the whole game too. We, we we came back well after they scored early, but um, they they look like the better team. I don't know whether we just look tired. I think um, that's been a, maybe a bit of a theme of the last few games. Um, so no matter how good it's been, I think it does show that we need a bit more depth in the squad, um, so that we can give some of the our, you know our better players a bit of a rest every now and then. Yeah, it was disappointing. Yeah. I think we had that kind of few minutes of hope where Rashid Martial got their goals. Um, but then after yeah. that, Southampton pressed quite high. Um, I think that's probably been our uh, kind of our counter over the last few games uh, when teams press onto us high. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, we, we come away from that game with a draw, which kind of dent- dented that, that good momentum that we had coming into that game. Then we go up against um, Palace, which, you know, overall yeah. was a good result. Um still kind of wasn't the same as that tempo that we had in the five previous games to the game before Southampton. But, um, but you know, can't complain. Clean sheet. First got up, the result. Into, yeah. yeah, got the result. Um, some slight controversy there. VAR, you know, quite close um, offside on IU. Uh, yeah, I thought the offside was harsh, but I guess the argument is if, if it's offside, it's offside. Um, I still don't know what was offside, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the only other incident, I suppose, the Zaha penalty incident. I, I, I didn't think that was a penalty myself. I think Lindelof got the ball. But my 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 opinion on it was definitely, if I was a, a Palace fan, I'd be very upset about that. I think he's got the ball. He's gone through him um, on a VAR check. Then yeah, it's, it should be given a penalty. Yeah, but... I don't know. For me, I'm I'm leaning towards the sort of uh, if you, if you take the ball, it almost doesn't. Well, almost doesn't matter. What you do afterwards? <laughs> that's, my, <laughs> that's, that's my thoughts. But, but I feel like you know, football is a contact sport. There, there's going to be contact. Um, no, I love it. Those are the yeah, playgr- but, playground rules. I remember. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you get the ball, it doesn't matter. As long as you yeah. get the ball. I mean, uh, you got to take some like uh, some some reasonableness. Like like that R- Romeo and Greenwood incident. If he took the ball first, that still would have been a red card. Um, but if you're in control of things, and it wasn't like it was, you know, pretty. It wasn't very aggressive. It was, Pretty, pretty tame the Lindelof stuff um, I don't think there's yeah I don't think there's enough in it for me but. I think uh, it's one of those where it falls again into that category where the it looks like VAR have shifted in strategy and it's just agree with the referee unless something blindingly obvious has occurred um, yeah they kind of they started the season like that then they went to disagree with the referee on every single thing yeah <laughs> and then they seem to have gone back to the first um, first thing now or as we like to call it, the Peter Walton model is the approach that they've gone for now, which is yeah. blindly agree with the referee. Yeah. Um, no matter what, just come up with whatever excuse you can. You can. Um, but 
but yeah, goals for Martial and Rashford in both games. You can't, it's, it's good stuff. Can't complain about that. Yeah, they're both up to 17 goals in the league. Uh, I think it's 21 or 22 in uh, this season. Um, quite quite nice to see them two matching each other. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah goal for goal. Yeah, it's, and it's nice that every time one scores, the other tends to score. You know, keep it up. Uh, good stuff. Um, so that took us up to, or could have potentially taken us up to third if the Southampton draw hadn't occurred. But um, keeps us at fifth on goal difference. Um, yeah, I mean, since then, Leicester have lost again to Spurs. So we're, we're literally, it's not even goal difference anymore. It's goals scored. I think they've scored a few more goals than us. That's what's... Uh, Jose that's Mourinho almost uh, doing it a big <laughs> favour there. Uh, not quite finishing yeah. off. Um, but yeah, if it's going down to goal scored, you know, obviously the, the 9-0 win uh, to, to Leicester is kind of screwing things in their favour. But but let's see how we go. Yeah, I mean, so things. we've conceded we've conceded 35, they've conceded 39. And we've scored 63, they've scored 67. So it's not even that far off, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four goals each way. Four goals each way. But um, the Premier League, uh, I don't know, uh, right now what's currently kind of fresh in my mind is the FA Cup, the game against Chelsea. And obviously, of course, towards the end of the pod, we'll switch our attention back to the Premier League because naturally that's what comes next and that's the focus. But let's talk about the uh, FA Cup match uh, against Chelsea. Uh, quite a, a ghostly slash uh, concert-like audio random pop songs booming uh, to the crowd <laughs> of the match of the day um, panel. And it's a... Uh... Um, 3-1 Chelsea. Uh, a, a very disappointing game and it it does probably pin on the fact that we haven't lost a game as you mentioned uh, since January. It's been six months of uh, or seven months even of an unfamiliar feeling. Um, but to kind of lose in that way I think is probably the frustration. Uh, you... Two, three three major mistakes I'd say on on each of the goals that we concede. Um, the the penalty was a not even a consolation. I think it was just a number on the scoreboard. Um, I'd actually switched off by then. <laughs> it's been it's sad doesn't sound great, but it's been a long time since I've done that. But hmm. I did that because it just got to a point where I was just watching players. Well, move. it was for me. It was you know it was dinner time anyway, so I was already uh, sitting alone in the in the, uh, watching the TV. And at 2-0, I still had hope. At 3-0, I thought I might as well just go eat my dinner now. <laughs> but, um, Let, let's yeah. take it from the start. So the tactics that uh, Ole went in in on this game. 3-5-2 formation. He's gone with wing-backs. He's, he's made a couple of changes. He's put Pogba on the bench, started James up top. What, what do you think about that? Um, it's tricky because uh, that 3 5 has worked out for us in the past. Um, but I kind of think that maybe that worked better when we weren't playing as well. Um, but now that we're... Now that we were working working well in the four three three or four two three one, whichever way you look at it, maybe it would have been better to stick with that. But equally, you know what we were saying about the squad depth. If you if you're gonna have to rest players like Pogba, um who else got rested? Oh Shaw was injured, um Greenwood really was rested. A few other changes. Matic was rested, Greenwood yeah. was rested. We don't necessarily at the moment have the players to replace them one for one to do the same job. So I guess maybe Oli thought in that in that respect so we have to change it a little bit if we're going to change some of the players. Um, I, I don't know. What did you think? So first of all, um, first my first point to make is I was really frustrated by the commentators and the BBC team uh, how they kept kind of putting this no- notion forward that United haven't played in this formation before. Um, we've probably played in it as many times as Chelsea this season. We've played against City, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool in that formation with 3-5-2. Three, three, um, we've won most of those games. I think bothered the Liverpool uh, loss. Um, 
and the, one of the losses was technically on aggregate to see. But essentially, it's a formation Oli's gone with when he assumes the other team is probably going to attack us a lot and we're going to need to absorb all that and then kind of try to hit him on the break. So I kind of see his logic. I think he probably should have stuck with the 4-2-3-1 in hindsight um, because it's working well for us. And I think his thinking was, I've beat Chelsea three times this season, uh, predominantly <laughs> using that formation. I'm going to do it again. Now, I think the only difference was fr- uh, Frank Lampard's reacted and he's changed the Chelsea formation to 3-5-2 to kind of match us. And you can see throughout the whole game, their wing-backs were just a hell of a lot higher than ours. Um, and and I think in, when you when you go toe to toe when you when you match formations and particularly in that formation you're gonna the battle is gonna be on how high you can get your wing backs um, and I think Reese James and Alonso they just did a better job in the game than um, Williams and uh, Wan Bissaka um, now I think part of that as well is down to the fact that the schedule that we're playing uh, didn't allow for as much rest as um, probably yeah the we only had two, two days which was pretty rough considering how many games we yeah and generally speaking I think you. Know, what these guys are professional athletes should be fine with it but you could just see it was kind of clear as they um as particularly our fullbacks who in that formation are expected to run a lot they just look dead um you know williams obviously come back from that knock that he had at the end of the game against um southampton but wan yeah. as well he looked incredibly unsharp uh he's kind of usually quite fast with his feet and you know he does those kind of one twos down the wing but he just i think the amount of times he was dispossessed um, or, or gave a sloppy pass away. It's, it's probably the most I've seen this season uh, for him in a game. Um, but overall, uh, I think we just completely la- lacked any kind of uh, serious threat on goal. Um, what did you make of the decision to start the Gea over Romero? Because that is probably in the in the in the grand scheme of things, and looking back, is the main major factor in that result. Yeah, I mean, I said to you on the day, I thought it was a bit harsh. Um, but equally, you don't expect your number one to make those kind of mistakes. Um, so in a way, I kind of think it's fine. Like, he's just a bit ruthless. Because it's only it's really it's a modern day thing where you have a cup keeper and a, and a league keeper. It's right? kind of an and act usually, of generosity, I think. That the yeah, usually you just have your first choice keeper and he, he plays every game unless he's injured. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I kind of... Again, you know, if it's a semi-final, you want your best players on the pitch, right? So, um, if he's if De Gea is fit, I think maybe he does edge it on priority. But, um, but like equally, Romero, he's only conceded one goal in the cup this year, um, which I think he was unfairly criticised for as well with the Norwich one. We discussed that at the time. Yes, um, but it's a tough one. Um, I don't think we can. You can really call it a mistake because again you don't expect your number one to come in and do that um you know i think it'd be different if he'd dropped romero and picked lee grant instead you know what i mean and grant had done that then you could maybe say oh that was a mistake (laughs) yeah but um you know on a normal day de is not making those kind of well you'd like to think so on a normal day he wouldn't be making those kind of mistakes so so yeah, I see from from the kickoff the logic. You know, the hair is. I, I say this with a with a hint of um, uncertainty. In my voice is the better goalkeeper, um, and he he starts makes sense. The first goal he gets kind of a soft hand to it, giving the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Giroud's in a good position and kind of just flicks it at him, not with much power or anything, but you know, let, let's give it the benefit of the doubt. The the second goal. Um, for me, like, and <laughs> there's no, there's no, there's no defending the second. Goal. There's no. See, 
I, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to defend goalkeepers. They're usually over generously, yeah. but something like that, I just there's nothing. You know, the, the shot isn't hit with any much particular power, not much swerve. It's on the ground. He's got a clear line no of vision. Blocking, there's no one blocking yeah. his view or anything. Yeah, the, was, the distance is not particularly close enough for him to not have a fair amount of time yeah. to react. Um, to be honest, in on, all honesty. It's a very tame shot. It's nothing spectacular. It's nothing that's, you know, kind of, he hasn't lost his foot in, nothing like that. He's just got a very weak palm to it for some reason. Um, and weak enough that it doesn't deflect it and it puts it into the back of the net. And from that moment onwards, you just kind of knew that De Gea is a very confident um, kind of player where he needs to keep making save after save to keep that momentum going and I'm not entirely sure what it is I think the standout moment was probably the his World Cup campaign for Spain but ever since that World Cup campaign he just has not been as sharp as he was because prior to that the guy was probably undoubtedly the best goalkeeper in the world um, and and everyone was saying it even if they weren't saying it very happily um, but since then he's probably less so last season, but more so this season. Um, he started to make a couple more mistakes again. And these are mistakes yeah. that you don't expect from a goalkeeper that is as good as him. Um, and it's a bit of a shame. Uh, and I'm, obviously, I hope... I, I heard know. somewhere he might have an eyesight problem. Okay. Apparently, apparently, they identified it early at United and they, he had treatment on it and it was resolved for a while. But there's some some theories going around that it's that's causing him issues again. Which I mean, it kind of makes sense, but I don't know. If, to me, it looks like it's more of a concentration thing. He just doesn't look that interested anymore. Well, based on the information um, about the Aisha, I'd like to apologise to Dana. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe potentially it could be. Um, but this kind of changes the conversation now because De Gea is in a very unfortunate position. There's a young English goalkeeper um, that's come through the academy at United, um, that's performing very well at Sheffield, um, and. Romero as well. He also stakes a fair claim, I think, to to have a chance to to start in goal for us. Now, it probably would be, a, well, it definitely would be an, an overreaction to drop De Gea for the last two games. Um, but my thought now is the Europa League campaign. Uh, as far as I'm aware, Romero has started those games, hasn't he, in the Europa League? Or has it been a mix? Um, I think it's, I been think it's actually been a mix, to be honest. I feel like De Gea has started some of the Europa League games. But um, I kind of think... Romero should start the rest of the season at this point. I don't know. It's a bit extreme, but De Gea needs some sort of kick up the backside, don't they? It could be that because look at yeah. Shaw. You know, Shaw's kind of turned his season around once the threat of Brandon Williams. Yeah, where the competition of Williams. Yeah. yeah. And these are professional athletes that thrive off competition. So I think maybe once... He hasn't had a serious threat because if he knows a goalkeeper like Romero, who we all agree is, you know, very good backup goalkeeper, you know, probably yeah. should be a starting goalkeeper somewhere in the Premier League. Um and if he knows that that guy is never going to be a serious contender for his number one spot, maybe he needs that pressure. Um, obviously, now there is that pressure of Dean Henderson and potential for him to, to come back in next season. Um, but but where do we go from here? I was looking at the statistics and actually Romero's statistics are not bad at all for us. He's got 11 clean sheets in um, 15 games for us. And De Gea has 14 clean sheets. In... I mean, the argument would be that Romero played against teams like yeah, Tranmere. Yeah. Yeah, he's, 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 he's played against kind of considerably um, less talent. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, yeah, he. I, I think people were pretty harsh to him on the Norwich one, and he's he's never really let us down. I mean, he was a bit shaky when he first joined, when uh, when he was first choice, when De Gea was having those contract talks. But since then, he's always been he's always been reliable. He's 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 um, and he's never made a fuss either about being number two. Um. So yeah, I think maybe he deserves a chance. The next couple of games, make him number one. 
see what happens. What do you think then for next season? Because this has become a, all of a sudden a three-horse race, uh, De Gea, Henderson, Romero. I was looking at the statistics for Henderson versus David De Gea in the Premier League and he pretty much beats him on any kind of goalkeeping statistic that you can yep. think of. Um, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I like Henderson. I think I said it on one of the previous podcasts that um, I already felt that we had to kind of do what Mourinho did to check. Yeah. Um, Henderson's much younger. Uh, you know, he, he's, and he seems to be playing better at the moment and his contract situation is not fantastic. So I don't think we can risk, I don't think we can risk losing him. Um, there's a hell of a, a lot of reports of reports today um, going around that Chelsea have, are willing to double his salary to 140k uh, if he joins them this summer, and uh, it's, it's across quite a few different sources. So I'm not entirely sure how credible it is, but it looks yeah, like I they mean, do I have some unless, interest. Unless he tries, to, unless he tries to force a move, I don't think I don't think United will sell him this summer. Um, but I think uh, that means after next year, he'd only have one year left. Um, and you don't want to get to the situation that we're in with De Gea. <laughs> well, let's say, I don't know, let's say De Gea is an even worse season next year and then you want Henderson to be number one, but then he's thinking, oh, I've only got a year left on my contract. Maybe I want to go somewhere else now. Um, I think it's I think it's worth the gamble, really. Of, what, um, what do you do with De Gea at this stage? Do you say, okay, banking, do you say, all right, De Gea, you can have number two spot for now? Um would other clubs even want to buy him? Because uh, he's kind of an error-prone goalkeeper now. Uh, the problem is he's still not old for a goalkeeper. He's twenty-nine years old. Yeah, I mean, you'd, that's the thing. You'd ex- you'd expect him to be in the again the best form of his life at this point. But you'd expect um, at least another you know four to five seasons at a good level. Keep well, Van Sar, what, how old was he when he retired? Like thirty-seven, maybe yeah. thirty-eight. And Buffon, pushing, Buffon still might going. be older than that. Um, and he yeah, and he wasn't even making mistakes at that point. So it is. Um, it is a concern, and it's going to be a very tricky one. I think. And uh, I, I, I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see how Manchester United handle it, actually, um, because they've got essentially what is three very good goalkeepers. And I do put the hair still in the very good category. I know he's made mistakes, yeah. but you know, all goalkeepers. So Van der Sar was 41 when he retired from United. Okay, that's it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking it was around he, the 40s. So the old, yeah. So he's the oldest player to have featured in a Champions League final. 41 years, 86 days. That's incredible. When you said thirty-seven, I, in my head I thought forty, but I thought no, that's unbelievable. That, that that's yeah, how unbelievable 40, that is. That forty thought. just seemed ridiculous, right? But I think yeah. he actually went. He was already uh, thirty-five when he joined. Um. So. <laughs> so yeah, that, so he, he was what six years older than De Gea is now when he joined, and oh, he had a great. Very good career for us. Um, the, see, the, the numbers kind of speak volumes in this comparison between um, De Gea and Henderson. Because let's take, a, oh, let, let's put the numbers to a side, but just look at the quality of the teams that they're playing in. I know Sheffield yeah. have had a robust defense this season, but on paper, I don't know if I don't know. This is a whole probably different debate, but is their back <laughs> back line better than us? Um, I don't know. And and they they sh- on average, I think they they they're a very good like. Uh, they're a very good unit, yeah. but I don't think they want. To, I don't think there's any players that you'd maybe take out of there and that would do as well in a different, um, different setup. Yeah, no, you, know, I, like, I agree. you you do find that often where there's players that they they're at their right level and they play well together. Like arguably, like Leicester's backline when they when they won the league. Yeah. Um, Wes Morgan, etc. Danny Simpson, those kind of players. <laughs> they they did a very good job for their team, but I don't think they were ever in a conversation of. You know, uh, moving on to somewhere else and 
doing the same kind of thing. No, like, I think Simpson now he's he didn't even. I think he only lasted another year. I, I'm pretty um, sure all of them have moved on and not really other than Morgan and uh, you know obviously yeah so Mo- Morgan's in the re- basically barely plays now uh, Fuchs I don't think plays um, who was the, who was the other centre back with him was Huth. Evans was Evans there at that point or was no he? it was Huth and I think he's at Stoke. oh Huth yeah, yeah so Huth's gone as well yeah so they, they and they looked good that year but I don't think they were I think it was just they were in the right places at the right yeah, time together they were a prime example of like a cohesive unit rather than individual yeah. players and I think that's what that Sheffield team is um, yeah so you took they took a few of the stars left Kante Mares and um, but then you look at someone like Drinkwater so Drinkwater is actually probably that perfect example <laughs> yeah he was he was very good in that system. But his career has fallen off since he since he left Leicester. Yeah. Um. So I think so. The Sheffield Sheffield players are a bit similar. Uh, you know, the players like Lundstrom, that kind of thing. They operate very well for Wilder and that and that club. But I don't think anyone's seriously considering them for for other for other moves. So do you think if Henderson came into in Manchester United and he's got these players like you know Lindelof and Maguire etc in front of him, would that benefit him or would it not? Because you would assume I can't remember it. who said it, but the the, the, the the key to being a keeper at United is you have to, you, you're not, well, maybe not so much in recent years, but generally you're not doing anything for 80 minutes. And then for that next 10 minutes or the last 10 minutes or the minute here or there, that's when you have to be switched on. Um, and the, that's like a different skill to being peppered with shots constantly. Yeah, no, um, I can imagine that. So, I mean, it was, it's, it's definitely, obviously, it's a different level. And obviously, there'd be more games. There'd be European games, etc. Um, but I don't Did know. We... I think maybe it's worth just worth taking the risk. He's done. He's done well. Obviously, he's made mistakes as well. But he's younger, right? And he seems at the, at the moment he looks he looks hungrier. Um, I think that's one thing I've seen with De Gea. He just doesn't look as hungry as he used to. I don't know whether it's you know he wanted to go to Madrid or whatnot. I have a because um, everyone knows he wanted to go, right? But um, I always thought once he signed the new deal, that'd be it. He'd be back to back to his best and um when so when it comes to to the hunger I, I think you're completely right so if we take that example i think that blunder he made against mo salah early in the season it gives the gives the the winter liverpool and uh, wilder comes out and kind of you know publicly says that he needs to be better if he w- thinks he wants to if he has yeah, and a lot of players would react badly to that but he's taking came it back on, strong he's taking it on and, um and then a, on a side note, I was recently on a YouTube rabbit hole and I came across this video of Dean Henderson trying to complete world records. And his world record that he was trying to complete was, I think, the quickest to get into a full goalkeeping outfit. So studs, gloves, the full gear on. And this guy tried it, about four, t- tried it about four times. So he did it the first time and he was like a couple of seconds off and he said, I'm doing it again. Takes it all off and does it again. Takes it all <laughs> off, does it again. And I just thought to myself, "Wow, this guy really does want to want this world record title. It doesn't mean anything, but you can tell that he he's competitively driven and and he, and he wants to. He'll keep trying it, and it looks like a very mundane task, you know, constantly putting the same outfit on and off. Um, uh, to the extent where even the presenter of the video was even like, "Oh, you want to try it again? Ha ha! Like, okay, uh, you don't have to. Like, we've already got the you, your name in the thumbnail, yeah. but <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I'm." If he does come to back to Manchester United and he, and he does get a genuine go at getting that number one shirt, um, I, I would be excited for him. Um, he's traditionally probably a bit of a smaller goalkeeper than usual, but I think that he makes up for it kind of with his um, his mental focus. And you can tell as well, he's quite a vocal goalkeeper. Um, yeah, and I think the other thing, I mean, is you mentioned his height, but De Gea's never really been a big physical presence, has he? So that's always been an area that he's... That he's lacked, lacked in anyway, um, and then, and then look if you look at the modern keepers, they're not 
maybe Neuer aside, they're not really massive, massive units anymore. They're more like, kind of like midfielders that can also save, uh, save, save the ball. Um, yeah. Their build wise, but um, yeah. yeah and also, I think I think him being a United fan does help. I mean, people might overlook that, but you know, you look at the players like Greenwood, Rashford when they play for United, like there's a different level of um, of, of desire and hunger. Yeah, certainly, because um, I think to them, it's definitely just it's not a job. It's more than that. Whereas I think maybe for other players, I think Patrice Evers touched on this a lot of the times. He says a lot of the players don't know what Manchester United means. For them, it's just they're a football yeah. player. Um, and he, he says that, you know, that kind of Keane and all these other guys in the locker room kind of educated him on what Manchester United was. And I think as a fan, you, you know we what, what what it means to play for that club. Um, yeah, I mean, there's that classic picture, of, I think, of this Henderson is in the crowd when Rashford scored his first goal, right? And you can see yeah. him celebrating. And, yeah, yeah. You know, th- those are the kind of players you want in your club. And I mean, Klopp, I think he went a bit overboard, but he said recently he wanted a team full of um, full of uh, locals from Liverpool as his entire team, uh, which I think is probably pushing it a bit and a bit harsh on your players who aren't from Liverpool who've done such a good job. <laughs> but, um, you, you know, you do want that core around the club that they know the club's values, that kind of stuff there brought up on the club yeah. um, I mean uh, it's made a difference right the, even with the signings that we've made they might not be United fans but they know what it means to play for for United so while there might be better players out there and we've signed better players they haven't done they haven't been as effective as um, as the ones that are actually genuinely want to be there no I agree the, I think Egal was the prime example we mentioned before yeah. uh, you can tell he's yeah. a genuine so I'd, fan I'd say probably even, even Bruno so you compare Bruno to maybe like Di Maria um I mean, I'd never even heard of Bruno before uh, before the start of the season. It was only when we started getting linked with him. But with Di Maria was already like a global superstar, you know, Champions League winner, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at the desire that they play with, um, Bruno from day one has looked like he wants to be here and he knows he knows what it's about and he he wants to do well. Um, and that makes it that makes a big difference. Even if the talent wise, there might not be that much. That there might not be that much between them. Speaking um, speaking about Bruno Fernandes, the breaking news this week is the correct pronunciation of his name. Uh, oh yeah, I, I did see a clip going around, but I haven't actually watched it. So the pronunciation um, is Bruno Fernandes or something along those lines. Now, okay, I admit it does. We'll just stick to Bruno, I think. <laughs> yeah. So I think the so first of all, yeah, there's a different dialect in tone between Spanish and Portuguese, apparently. But also, yeah. um, I, whilst I was playing FIFA one of the times, the commentator kept referring to him as Bruno Fernandes, and I was just like, why does he keep calling him Fernandes? <laughs> I don't understand. Um, but yeah, now I do. So the more you know. Yeah, I mean, it's important that uh, you pronounce people's names properly. It's an issue we've all suffered with, right? Okay. Um, so, so yeah, if, if that's how he, if that's how he suggests it, if that's how he says it's pronounced, that's that's what we'll try and include going forward. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess with the Chelsea game, there's not really much else to say other than the the goal the goalkeeping mistakes. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think Chelsea were that. I didn't think Chelsea were that much better. They weren't three one better than us in the day. I don't think they um, were 3-1 better than us. I think um, they definitely deserved a win because we were just didn't produce anything to suggest that we should have won that game. Yeah, we, um, we didn't create much, but I don't think they created too much either. Um, the, the, you'd say really the Giroud goal was really the only like, clear-cut chance they created. I mean, the other goal, I said the game mistake. Third goal, Maguire was unfortunate. You know, it was an own goal. Yeah. It wasn't like we um, felt like we were getting thrashed, but... I think I think the yeah, yeah. 
the mistakes are even results of just the risks that they're taking and that's what we lacked in that game Bruno was still trying it but I, he was just I don't know the guy's just probably tired at this point he's playing so many games yeah I mean he's been playing a lot sharp. he's been playing a lot of football um, and that's kind of what I was referring to with like the depth thing is maybe you know maybe like a game against Palace would have been the one or even the Southampton game would have been one where you'd like uh, maybe a, another option to, to give Bruno a rest um, or even to take him off earlier in the game because I'm always, I'm always, always prefer to, for him to play and then get the result put to bed. Um, but you saw when he, when we took him off in the Southampton, Southampton game, the intensity yes. dropped, right? Yeah. So we need a better option, another, another better depth option to, um, just to, just to, show, just to make, mean he doesn't have to play every single minute of every single game. Um, as much as I'd like to see that, I don't think it's, it's probably not the best, the best option, the best thing long term. Um, as much as I'd like to avoid um, the, the the prospects of seeing uh, Andreas Pereira fulfilling that position. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I think Lingard came on against Palace, right? And it's like, um, yeah. I think everyone was a bit <laughs> we confused we, about we, that. We, we, won't, we won't go too much into it, but, um, but yeah. Um, um, overall, to be honest, I'm not, I, w- I was a bit annoyed at first, but it's like, it's like when you put into context, one defeat in 20 games, first defeat since the restart, first defeat since Bruno joined. <laughs> Um, if we then go, if we go and win our next two games, we get top four, which potentially even top three because you know Chelsea got Chelsea are playing Liverpool. Um, I'd be pretty happy with that. Obviously, it'd be nice to win a trophy, but we're considering you know the, when we restarted the podcast, we were talking about basically having to win every league game to get into the top top four, and which we but you know we almost have. We've only drawn two games in the league. Um, the rest of them have been wins. So if we do pull it off, it'd be a pretty good turnaround. If that helps us get Sancho as well, then I'm, then I'll be satisfied with the end of the season. We've got games now remaining uh, against West Ham and Leicester. Um, yeah. We could potentially already have qualified by the time we play Leicester. I believe there's also a scenario where if Leicester and us just played a no-no draw, we would knock Chelsea out. Um, it's really complicated, be- right? Because um, so at the moment, uh, I think Chelsea are still in third at the moment, right? Yes. So Chelsea are a point ahead of Leicester. But Leicester have a far superior goal difference. So if Chelsea lose to Liverpool and Wolves, and we both then yeah, then we us and uh us and Leicester draw. We both have better goal differences than Chelsea, yeah. So it's, it's a strange scenario. Would be a nice possible. little way little way for Ole to get one back home. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sh- I'm not sure that we can definitely guarantee it before before the Leicester game. Um Chelsea got- even if even if we beat West Ham then we're only we'll be two points ahead of Chelsea and three points ahead of Leicester. So if we lost and Chelsea won, they would still they would still they'd still they'd edge us by on a point. So we yeah. can't guarantee it until we have to we have to get we have to get a result out of both games basically. So a win and a draw is enough. We need um David Moyes, please, for that ten months <laughs> of torture you gave me just yeah. your, your well, team. They're, they're, they're safe now, right? So uh, debate basically so they, they've got a 14 goal cushion on Aston Villa as well as the six points so they're, they're essentially safe so I can't imagine I mean they've been playing reasonably well you know they've uh, won three out of the last five I will accept nothing less but, than Antonio starting off in goal for this time <laughs> yeah I mean I saw a quote he was saying the, the difference between him and Solskjaer is Solskjaer is getting time um which yeah I don't know it, it, he yeah fine he didn't get he didn't get much time what was it seven months but I don't think we've had any we had any runs under Moyes that felt like any of the stuff Ollie's been able to do. 
I know, so I think the context... Other than maybe the first, the first game against Swansea, that was about it, really. Oh, it was I, all downhill after that. I think the context also of the fact that we were literally Premier League champions at the time, um, yeah. whereas at this point... I mean, we people were, used to say we were the worst champions Fergie ever put together, but we were still champions by like 13 points. <laughs> if you say we're the worst... Yeah, if you say we're the worst uh, champions, then what does that mean about the rest of the league at that, in that uh, season? I know, exactly. Right? That's, that's, how much, that's, how much it, that's how much they were looking to criticise us. We were apparently Fergie's worst, champ, like, worst champions. Which I mean, we won it by like thirteen points, but okay. <laughs> At this point, I'll take anything: worst champions, smallest champions, anything, <laughs> any type of champions. Um, yeah. But um, it, it's going to be a very interesting week. Uh, very interesting week. It kind of feels like we've almost got kind of two cup finals. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm confident that we will get in that top four, uh, if not so on our own credentials. But I just can't see Chelsea getting six points against Liverpool and Wolves. Um, I think Leicester, uh, and also... I also think with Leicester's form as well, I think we, uh, I'm confident we'll beat them. Yeah, like uh, they looked horrendous against Spurs, like really bad, and like they're not getting Soyuncu back. Chilwell's in, Chilwell's out for the season as well. I believe Madison's you know, out as well. The, yeah, the defense is makeshift at the moment. Um. So and yeah, you, and this yeah, it's away, but it's like we said before, and without the crowd, away games it doesn't really make that much difference. Um, Certainly not, not as much as a. Uh, pre pre lockdown anyway yeah so i'm i'm confident we'll get i i, I mean I, i'm actually a little bit more worried about west ham than <laughs> than leicester we've um, had a couple just of because again games. it's so soon after just it's, it's so soon after the chelsea game that's that's the thing we we've, we've genuinely yeah. had some tricky games against west west ham as well over the last two seasons yeah where, especially well, this one's at home isn't it so but even actually at home we struggled yeah. i remember there was that um i remember there's a few Mourinho incidents that don't look too fond back too fondly on, but and so, but yeah, I think we're, we we put ourselves in a good position, um, considering I'm, where we were even even at the start of the lockdown. I'm uh, glad our destiny is definitely it's in our own hands. Um, it's our own hands, yeah. And it's so we're not it's relying on anyone. Yeah, it's up to us to get those um, six points. And we've actually now lost. We've we've lost the second least games in the league, joined with Wolves. City have lost more games than us this season. That's pretty crazy to think City have yeah. lost nine games and we've already lost City eight. have lost nine and us and Wolves have lost eight. So one, But one of the things that's killed us off is we've drawn 11 games. And I think that was kind of that mid-season run where we were got yeah, drawing to... Draw after draw after draw, yeah. And we played mm. Wolves 11 times. No, um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wolves, Wolves have got 14 draws. So yeah, I'd say maybe yeah, 10, at, 10, at, 10 each are against each other probably. Yeah, no, certainly. Um, um, I'm, also, sure, I'm sure we, we'll be set to face them in the Europa League semis as well. Oh, I would genuinely not be surprised. Um, just before we wrap, wrap things up, uh, we saw Eric Bailly go off with quite a serious-looking head injury. I think. Um, yeah, they just posted a picture on Twitter. He looked okay now. He's, yeah, he's training. Good news. It's good news. Credit to him. He's a bit crazy. Um, he's a bit crazy for jumping <laughs> up for a second header after he's already took a knock. Uh, but fair play yeah. to him. I think that's his style. Yeah, um, I mean, we'd have liked to probably seen him go off after the first one. That's probably yeah. that's probably the right thing to do. But obviously, we we don't we weren't there. We weren't in the situation. Yeah. We don't know what. And obviously, um, Harry Maguire being the great captain he is, he said you need to get off Eric, so he put, took a chunk off out of the back he, of his head. Exactly, he thought he'll take he'll take it into his own hands and knock yeah, him out. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's good to see that he's okay and he's smiling as well in the picture. So. Certainly, certainly. So that's good. Um, but yeah, so uh, we probably won't we won't do another one this week, but we've got. I guess we're yeah, we would actually maybe after the Leicester game because Leicester we're playing on Sunday, I think, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So maybe early, either Sunday or early next week we'll be back discussing. Hopefully that we secure top four and just a preview of the Europa League. Then after that, that, that is the ideal um, situation to be in. Yeah, 
Do you know when? Do, when does the Europa League kick off again? I believe it's mid August. August the eighth is the. Be good m- if we get a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks break. I would like that. Yeah, I think for sure the players definitely need a rest. It's been a very intense uh, post-COVID campaign. So we're facing Lask on the fifth of August. Mm, so we get about a week. That game is so probably the most bad. pointless game of football. <laughs> Yeah, when you look at the other first legs, right? So the Shakhtar, Shakhtar Wolfsburg, Shakhtar won two one, Copenhagen Istanbul one nil, uh, Inter and Getafe never got their first leg in, so theirs has become a single leg fixture. Sevilla Roma same situation, Leverkusen Rangers three one, Basel Frankfurt three nil, Wolves one one, and then you got us. We won five nil away from home. <laughs> credit to Lask is probably a nice day out. Yeah, um, so. I'd imagine we'd probably rest quite a lot of players in that game as well. You'd um, hope so. Although maybe they, maybe the week that the week off they have, there'll be a re- enough rest. But but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll deal with all that next week. Um, but yeah, so uh, if you want to give us a review on iTunes, that kind of stuff, you can do. Or find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. Um, and we'll see you next week. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>